You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, South Bay Church. Good morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Do you want to start out uh, with, uh, how many of you were at the trunk or treat last night? Got a few in the mix. I really wanted to live up Dave and Kanani. What a phenomenal job. Uh, I just want to let you know, I don't know if we want to take this on next year or not, but my daughter-in-law and Aaron's like, we need to do this on a regional level. But it was so much fun. All the creativity. Uh, I'm sure we'll, uh, well, I posted a ton of stuff on our South Bay page, uh, but we'll, I'll talk to Rhett and we'll see if we can get some slides of uh, what it was that took place last night so you guys can see it next week. Uh, do want to mention, see if we're uh, Harvest Fest. Oh, never mind. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Mufid from the Middle East, uh, region of many. Go ahead and rewind it. We'll get it from the beginning. Just got this from Mufid this morning. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Mufid from the Middle East, uh, region of many wars. Uh, sadly, last week another war just started. Thousands have lost their life till now. And it's escalating to many different countries. Uh, please, brothers and sisters, uh, keep us in your prayers. Uh, we're asking many churches around the world to pray for the region. Uh, many, many things has been going on. Uh, we need your prayers. We need to be in unity just to see peace coming to all the nations and among all the countries. We love you. So grateful for you. Amen. Um, I've been in contact with the uh, bulk of the brothers and sisters over there that are in leadership, whether it's Jordan, Lebanon, Yemen, Sudan, uh, the different countries that we have a presence in, and uh, Egypt. It, it's just amazing the degree of resiliency these men and women have, the love that they have for God. Um, and, you know, I mean, we're, with Lebanon, we go back to 2019 with the explosion. They don't really have a functioning government. Uh, there's a huge presence with Hezbollah there within the country. Um, countries, as far as actual Lebanese, you're looking at about two and a half million people, and they have almost the same number of Syrian refugees. So you can imagine the impact this has on the economy. They're, they don't have medical supplies. There's challenges with food and water. But again, one of the most joyous, hopeful group of men and women I've ever run into. And this gives you a little bit of a degree of the seriousness of the situation in that he reached out this morning soliciting prayers. They're super grateful for the prayer time we have coming up this evening. Thank you for the flexibility on that. I know we initially had it at 7. A lot of them are going to be joining us on the Zoom call as well, so we wanted to move it back a little bit for them. And that instead of 5 a.m. in the morning for them, it'll be 5.30. We're going to leave it open a little bit beyond the normal hour that we would do this in, just so that any of the brothers and sisters there getting up want to join us. They have the ability to do just that. Uh, I did want to give a shout-out to our singles that are here. Uh, we're, we're grateful for each and every one of you as well. Uh, Zoe, Leslie, ob awesome, awesome job. So grateful to have you a part of our fellowship here. And I may not have mentioned it, my name is Steve Marici, and my wife Jacqueline and I have the great responsibility and, and privilege of serving one of the uh, most amazing teams I've ever been a part of, the Craigs, the Butlers, Spencer and Jen. Over the last two months, um, you know, we've had the opportunity to really focus on God's Spirit and how the Spirit moves and speaks into our lives, whether it was starting out with God's raw promise of pressure filled uh, with, or promise of presence filled with the Spirit, Spirit without limit, 
A leading of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, which leads us to our culmination today, which is the sound of the Spirit. But before we do that, one other slide here. I uh, did want to mention again, we have our Harvest Festival here coming up at the end of the month. Uh, it's always a great time, an amazing time to get our friends and family out, and our dogs. We'll be having our uh, usual costume contest with both the dogs and our kids, um, which I think all of us love both. Well, not everybody loves dogs, but they have a special place in my heart because when it comes to unconditional love, man, it doesn't get any better than that little dog spinning around in circles, wagging its tail when you come home. So anyway, um, I did have a, uh, you know, Jackie and I had the opportunity last week to be a part of a spiritual retreat with our Ministry Leadership Council in Los Angeles, which we missed the one last year. I think we were actually in the Middle East, but it was, it was amazing. Robert Carrillo headed it up. You've heard him reference. He leads the metro region. He's a teacher globally within our church. And... Uh, just did a, an amazing job of spiritual reformation, spiritual transformation. Uh, he led us in um, guided meditation, which was amazing. We spent time dwelling in the Word. We discussed what, you know, we were given a passage and we'd read it. We'd read it again and we spent some time just uh, in silence and solitude thinking about it. And then we had these discussions where we had to turn to our neighbor. We told them what we got out of it. They told us what they got about it. And then we had to, in turn, share with the group about what our neighbor got out of the word. So just great practices on listening both to God and one another. Probably the most vulnerable I've ever seen this group be in the 33 years as of December 10th, uh, 1990s, when Jackie and I were baptized. It is the most grounded, vulnerable group of men and women I've experienced in my entire time of leadership in L.A. So very, very grateful to be a part of it. Grateful that we're a part of your family here and all that means. When it comes to the Spirit, before I get into the message this morning, in light of what's been taking place the last week, I was sitting in a period of silence and solitude this morning, and all of these passages popped into my head. And, you know, normally I probably would have ignored it, which I'm... I'm It just blows my mind how busy and distracted I can be. And it was, it was amazing just sitting there and these things, in light of what's been going on in the Middle East, popped into my head. And I'm, you, know, you know what? I need to share this with the church this morning. And I think what it, what it shows us is the significance of God, God's word, God's people, God's children. And it starts out with the amazing covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis 12. I'll get a grip here. <clears throat> the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples. In Matthew 19, verse 14, this followed up in my time of silence and solitude this morning, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And you know, I think the thing that's so significant about what Jesus reveals here is that everyone is welcome. Not everyone accepts the invitation. And the other thing that I think is really significant in this passage, when we think of children, I mean, I, I love listening to Zoe and Leslie's son this morning. I mean... 
just the pride he had in the, the scripture that he cited and the statement that he made, the quote that he made, and, and just seeing that young man up here is so amazing. And I think one of the reasons this appealed to Jesus so much, when we think about our children, there's this amazing degree of humility they have that we don't as adults. And then we come full circle from Genesis to Hebrews 11, verse 8, where it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Why? God spoke to him. And he obeyed, he heard, he listened, and he went. And by faith, he lived as an alien in a land of promise. Was it everything that it had been promised to be at the point in time he walked in? No. So by faith he lived as an alien in a land of promises, in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. I mean, isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what we're all waiting for? This amazing, eternal city built by God, which we are not owed, but because of God's grace, God's mercy, and the covenant that we decide to enter into as Christians, have the ability to embrace as our own. With that, I'd like to lead us in a word of prayer, and uh, we'll get into the message here this morning. I, I, I guess the second message here this morning. <laughs> Father God, you truly are an amazing God. You know, there are, there are mornings like today where my mind is just boggled that you are mindful of us. And I know with the pain that's taking place around the world right now, no one is pain more than you are because we are all your children. These are all your children. These are all lives that you breathe that very life into. And as this prayer goes up to you, Father, I, I pray that you give us the ability to stand firm on the foundation of the inheritance that we know that we have through your Son, Jesus Christ. And then with that, as Abraham listened to your word, as Abraham followed your direction, we see the amazing transition in his life, and knowing that the lineage that we have that led to your Son, Jesus Christ, is because of men and women who listen to you. Father, uh, we all come from the garden, and I pray that we always remember that you are a creator. In your eyes, there is no religion, there is no creed, there is no race, there is none of those things other than men and women that are in need, men and women that have reached out to each and every one of us here that have brought us the good news. Father, help us to be an amazing light in this crazy, dark world. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the uh, message, title of the message this morning is Sound of the Spirit, Hearing the Voice of God. Our text uh, primarily today will come out of 1 Samuel. So if you would, please turn there with me now, 1 Samuel 3, verse 1, and we'll start out. I guess that was my cue. <laughs> the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down on the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. 
go back and lie down. I'm sure he was a little bothered, you know, trying to get a little bit of sleep there. So we continue, verse 5, or verse 6. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me, my son? Or my son Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So it seems one of the things that the writer of 1 Samuel is trying to tell us here is that the people who were listening were rare. And you know, this morning, I believe God is talking and nudging us to listen. When Samuel wrote this account, it wasn't that God wasn't sending out visions or God wasn't sending out his word. It's that the people were not hearing him. And think about this for a minute. Is it really any different for any of us today? God is always speaking. God is always calling. God is always nudging, whispering, moving, active. But do we hear him? You know, I, I think back about my own life through the years. I mean, I had these periods of time where it just seems like there's this amazing degree of clarity when it comes to what God wants. And then ha- taking the time to reflect back on it, it's usually because, not necessarily where I'm at spiritually, I think that has something to do with it, but it's, it's those times where, you know, it's kind of like the 80s. I mean, for those of you that grew up in the 80s, was there really anything that we were worrying about? other than what the next, you know, concert was that we were going to see or the next band we were going to see in Hollywood, you know, or getting down to the beach or whatever. I mean, it just seemed like such a carefree period. And I think we can all relate to this. There's periods of time in my life as a Christian where I have those 80s periods where it's like, man, this is absolutely amazing. I don't really have to do much of anything. Everything just kind of works. But I think where it becomes problematic is when there are those times with distractions and challenges and like where we're at today. I get so caught up in that buzz that goes on in the background, I can't hear God speaking. So does it feel like the word of the Lord is rare? It sure can seem that way. And, you know, and again, I think what we're seeing in the Middle East is just that. And I had the opportunity to talk to, uh, Mofid and I were texting back and forth. I connected with Maggot in Egypt, and he's super grateful, as all of them are, for your prayers, uh, Luna and uh, Shadi uh, in Jordan, and then uh, Sammy Sakakini and his wife Sammy, many of you know, was the brother in Iran years ago that was captured and imprisoned and beat daily for months. And then out of nowhere, it was, it was I'm sure kind of like when Jesus showed up, the guys upstairs knocking on the door, Sammy just showed up to his family. And imagine the shock after him being gone for so many months and I'm sure most people thought he was dead. But, I mean, they, they understand it. And it was just so reassuring for me the degree of faith that they've demonstrated through this time. You know, our culture today is divisive. I appreciate what, what Ben said before he prayed for that last song. And just really understanding that. We, there's, again, so many sources of information in this age of the Internet, right? And on TV with streaming and YouTube and everything else that's out there... What is truth? I know for me, the only thing that I can rely on as being truthful is God's word. Everyone has a motive. Everyone has a bias. All of us, myself included. But when we go to God's word, God gives us clarity. So we need to ask ourselves today, who or what voices are we hearing or listening to? You know, it's just so difficult sorting through it. Yet that is exactly what is needed. Listening for God is a purposeful slowing down of mind and thought 
to actively connect with God. You know, bear with me. I've used this example, I don't think, more than once in my entire life as a Christian, and it was probably here. It was here a few years ago. But I think it does such an amazing job of getting this point across and what we need to do personally to hear God. James Hamilton, in his book Directions, shares this insight about listening to God. He says, before refrigerators, people used ice houses to preserve their food. Ice houses had thick walls, no windows, and tightly fitted doors. And in the winter, when streams and lakes were frozen, large blocks of ice were cut, hauled to the ice houses, and covered with sawdust. Often the ice would last well into the summer. And this took place in some parts of our country right up to the 50s. So here's the account from Wilmington, North Carolina, that really illustrates this need for active listening. One man lost a valuable watch while working in an ice house. He searched diligently for it, carefully raking through the sawdust, but didn't find it. His fellow workers also looked, but their efforts too proved futile. Small boy who heard about the fruitless search slipped into the ice house during the noon hour and soon emerged with the watch. Amazed, the man asked him, how did you find it? He said, I closed the door, I laid down in the sawdust, and I kept very still. Soon, I heard the watch ticking. I mean, it's, you know, this little kid had the wherewithal that none of these adults had, and that if you go in, you lay down, and you're silent, you'll hear the ticking. And it's the same way with God's voice. I mean, since we've been in this series, well, actually it goes back to emotionally healthy spirituality. When we went through that as a congregation, that was so helpful. But the problem with that is, for me, um, I didn't work on the sustainability. I'd go a few days, and it's like, oh, yeah, silence and solitude. Whenever I think of that, I think about Martini. And then in our meetings, we kind of go off the the rails a little bit. It's like, guys, you know what? We we need to have a moment of silence and solitude. And she kind of guides us into the meditation. We slow down. And it's amazing just the degree of cohesiveness and unity that takes place after that. So, question is, not whether God is speaking, but whether we are being still enough, quiet enough, to hear God speak. Are we silencing the, the noise and the clamor of this life with purposeful, intense focus on listening for God to speak? Now, Getting back to Samuel, can anyone tell me what Samuel's name is? I don't have Devin or Brian here, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, what's Samuel's name mean? Okay, we'll just go ahead and go forward, and I'll give that to you here in a second, now that I've got your attention. Okay, just thinking through this whole thing with Samuel, Hannah, Samuel's mother, she wasn't able to have children. And she, we know that she really wanted a baby badly. I mean, people thought that, you know, when she was praying, she was drunk, and there were all these other issues. But the bottom line is she took a chance. She promised God that if she could have a son, she would dedicate him to God's service. So, lo and behold, she became pregnant, had a son, named him Samuel, which means God heard. So she kept her promise to God, and Samuel grew up in the tabernacle from a very young age. Samuel lived in the tabernacle. Samuel slept in the tabernacle. And he also helped the high priest Eli take care of the tabernacle. And the Bible says Samuel slept in the same area as the Ark of of God, the Ark of the Covenant. And thinking this through, in verse 3, Samuel was estimated to be about 12 years old at this time. Samuel's life was so amazingly, deeply intertwined with the sacred space of the temple 
And with that, he wasn't a stranger to any of the rituals, the prayers, the duties that were associated with it. But despite his immersion in the religious life of the temple, Samuel never heard the voice of God. I mean, that's just mind-boggling to me. It would be like me as a 12-year-old having grown up in the Catholic Church, living behind the altar, sleeping there, you know, lighting the candles, lighting the incense, refilling the baptistry. I mean, all the duties that would have been associated with that, polishing the gold, polishing the silver. But, I mean, for those of you that grew up in a religious household, can you imagine that? And with that, never hearing the voice of God. Blows my mind. But, you know, I think what this does right here is it shows us that proximity to religious traditions and practices don't necessarily equate to a personal relationship with God and His Spirit. Samuel was living out his days, as I just stated, essentially living his life, lifelong, in a church. Yet he didn't recognize God's voice when it called to him. And what this passage teaches us, what it teaches me, is that mere religious observance, even when it's sincere and dedicated, doesn't necessarily mean you have a connection with God. So let's go ahead and continue reading here in uh, 1 Samuel uh, 3, verses 4 through 6. Oops. Oh, there we go. It says, Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. When God first called Samuel, Samuel thought it was Eli who was calling. He wasn't expecting God to speak. And you know, this is the other thing about this spiritual awareness and listening for the Spirit. I expect God to speak. And I think for the longest time, I viewed, it, viewed people that talked about, oh yeah, the Lord spoke to me, or the Spirit spoke to me, or you know, somebody would say, God bless you. And I was like, you know, that's just religious, man, and I ain't going there. But how much did I miss in those early years of my Christianity? So God spoke, but no one heard. He had never heard the voice of God before. In verse 6, it says again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. And then in verse 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The Lord, the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. Here he is living in the tabernacle, and the word of the Lord hadn't even been revealed to him. And you know, and this never registered with me before. Samuel did not know, yet know the Lord. Where was he? The tabernacle. Verse 1, it says, ministering before the Lord. Who was he with? Eli. Who was Eli? The high priest. And he served with Eli's sons, who were what? Priest. So Samuel ministered before the Lord, and the Lord, the word of the Lord was rare. Three priests, the temple of the Lord, Samuel was mentored by Eli, and yet Samuel didn't know the Lord. Scary. You know, was God not speaking, or was it a matter of people not listening? Let's take a look at verse 8. It says, the Lord called Samuel a third time. You know, I guess this, maybe this is where that third time the charm came from. At least it's one of the earliest ones I've ever seen, but anyway. So the Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me? 
Then Eli did what? He realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. This is how I enter my prayer times now. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You know what that does for me? And it doesn't have to be that for you. You figure out what works best for you. That clears my mind. It totally clears my mind, and it allows me to focus on what I know should come next. So Samuel did what? When he lay down in his place. So we see God in his desire for a personal relationship with Samuel. And how many of us got that calling before we became Christians? This is what I love about God. God keeps coming. And this is how strong his personal relationship, his need for a personal relationship, his desire for a personal relationship is with each and every one of us. He called Samuel repeatedly. It is as if God was gently beckoning Samuel to pay attention to acknowledge his presence. You know, we know Samuel's initial response was probably where it should have let rested, going to the priest, thinking that it was Eli calling. But finally, Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. And then Samuel went back and laid down and waited and listened carefully for God's voice. You know, sometimes strangers, Christian friends, mentors, kids, kids' kingdom teachers, youth leaders, yes, sometimes even your evangelists and your teachers can point us to God's voice. In any event, after the third time Eli told Samuel that God was calling him, it was then Samuel became expectant. Are we expectant? Do we expect to hear God? Samuel was ready. So with this moment of realization, we got to understand how powerful this. Samuel's heart and ears were open to the possibility of direct communication with God. And it marks a turning point in his life as he utters the words, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And what is this? This is a declaration on his part of this readiness, this willingness to listen and obey what God says. So, you know, for me it took a while before I was willing to listen for or to God. When I was 28 years old, I've shared this before, but it's a significant marker for me. My son was born. And as an adopted child, that first biological connection was so huge for me. And it was at that point I realized, you know, this was not some big bang thing where, you know, some asteroid with stuff on it hit the earth and, you know, these trilobites kind of, well, single-celled organisms turned into trilobites and something crawled out of the primordial ooze and here you go, human beings. But honestly, it wasn't until my son was born, that was my first awakening. I believe that's when God started to get my attention. And then the next spiritual awakening took place in October of 1990 when Bruce and Ortiz reached out to us. We were having a yard sale at my mother-in-law's place because we didn't have any traffic where our house was built, so we went to her place. Just, you know, how God lines things up. I mean, what's, what, what are the chances, right? We're having a yard sale at her mom's house. The Teagues lived a block away, came cruising down the street. Nora's ready to pop with her second kid. Or was that her first kid? Second kid. And uh, she reaches out to us. Uh, Jackie was more spiritual than I am and was. <laughs> um, you know, I think most of you know that. And I was totally turned off because Bruce was introduced to me as an evangelist. And all I knew was, you know, the, the Bakers, the Swaggerts, you know, the guys that are calling me to do something none of them were doing. 
And uh, it took a little while, but we both agreed to study the Bible on December 1st and December 10th of 1990. We became disciples. And it's just awesome how God works. You know, and I think as we head into the, the holiday seasons here, too, just kind of keeping this in mind, you know, isn't this a great time to reach out to those and express gratitude to those that shared the word with us? You know, I think this is a, a thoughtful uh, gesture that's made in gratitude for those who first encouraged us to listen to God through his word. And what an encouragement that would be to them. But, you know, but thinking about your life, what events or people in your life has God used to better enhance your ability to hear God's voice? You know, perhaps you haven't heard anything yet. Or maybe you haven't heard anything in a long time. Perhaps some of you have lost the clarity to hear or listen to him. So I want to appeal to you this morning to think about what distractions you need to move out of the way in order for you to be prepared to hear God's call. You know, I do want to uh, just reach out to those of you that are at home. Some of you may be viewing for the first time. Some of you have been viewing since COVID. You know, unless you've got health issues, there's something to be said about coming together and worshiping like this in person. And the reason I say that is because I look back to COVID when we were streaming at home, and the only time I felt like we weren't really distracted is when we were out there in the back of the Craig's garage, either speaking or watching, or, but just participating in that corporate degree of worship. And I know when we were at home, there were a couple times we were late to the stream. Uh, <laughs> Jackie. <laughs> i got to be careful. She's going to have the mic in a minute here. Um, and, you know, and, you know, guys, we don't have little kids at home. We had two little dogs, and it's amazing how distracting they could be. But I really want to make an appeal to you. If you are at home viewing and you're in good health, come participate with your family. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So, let's go ahead and uh, move forward here. In verse 10... Whoops. I may not have that in my... I mean, you know what? Actually, I, I shouldn't have clicked to that. We'll, we'll back up. <laughs> I did not make a slide for verse 10. I'm just going to go ahead and read it or read along with me. Verse 10. We're told that the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. What's the significance of this? You know, if we are to hear God's voice, we need to be like that child in the ice house with a watch. When God called Samuel, notice the words in verse 10... Calling as at other times. Did God change it up? Did, did God, you know, like send up some fireworks or smack him upside the head? Or It was the same. Not in some new way, calling out as he had before, but in the same way God had been calling all along. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3.6 also says that God is the same always and never changes. God is the same today, always calling, always trying to connect. The third time God called Samuel, Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. You know, you think about this. As a young teen or preteen, isn't that a pretty darn courageous statement to make? Speak, for your servant is listening. And I have a feeling this probably ties into a little bit about what Jesus said about the children. There's that degree of humility here. I mean, he could have said, this is crazy. I got Eli talking to me. I got Eli's sons talking to me. But he stepped out in courage and said, hey, 
Come on, man. Your servant's listening. So when it gets right down to it, how many of us practice seeking to hear God's voice? Are we really listening? And just really keep in mind it takes courage to listen. With that, I give you my wife, Jacqueline. Uh oh, I get it next. <laughs> these, are, these are Jill's glasses. Um, so I know Steve said initially, well, he said in here somewhere that um, Jackie was much more spiritual. Uh, actually, I came to church. I've shared this before, but oh, well, that's true. I take when, that back. When God first called me, um, I was not. I listened for impure motives. <laughs> Because I came to Bible Talk to steal the nanny. Um, in that course of the conversation of meeting the Teagues, she had shared that she had a nanny. We had been clearing out of the bedroom. That's why we had this yard sale. Uh, and this is where God, again, God will continue to call me. I believe he called me before that, but I just was not listening or whatever. And so, you know, they were paying their nanny a lot less than I was paying my nanny. So the idea was to go to this Bible Talk and offer the nanny more money. Um, that's exactly what I, the, that was the plan. It wasn't, I'm not saying it was a good one, but it was the plan. And you so, thought it was a good one. And I remember sharing with my friends, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to this Bible talk. They're like, why are you going to Bible talk? Like, I was not voted most likely to become a Christian, to become a disciple. I wasn't certainly voted most likely to go into the ministry yet. Here we are, twice. <laughs> Hence, listening to the voice of God. Because <laughs> if I listened to Jackie's little voice, there would be no ministry. But anyway... So I went there to steal the nanny. The nanny didn't speak any English. I didn't speak any Spanish. Um, and I was stuck at this Bible talk. There were no cell phones then, guys. I couldn't pretend like I was getting a phone call and go, oh, hey, guys, I'm out. I got to go. Like, there was, like, pagers, but nobody was paging me. And so I was stuck at this Bible talk. And, and at that Bible talk that I didn't want to be at, because I was only there to steal the nanny, and when I realized I couldn't, I was like, oh, man, how did, oh, this is going to be, okay, a couple hours, all right, I'll endure it. And God spoke to me there. And again, it really wasn't out of purity. It pricked my pride, because I had gone to and been in Catholic church for many, many years. I mean, my parents were very devout, and I appreciate, uh, honestly, I appreciate my Catholic upbringing. It was a great foundation for my spiritual health and my spiritual, um, my respect for the word of God anyway. And so when the word of God was spoken at this Bible talk and I heard and many of the things I thought I knew I didn't know and the question was why do you believe what you believe I had to deconstruct the faith that I had grown up with, right? And you know, it took courage. I remember I didn't even tell my mom I was getting baptized. I didn't like on purpose not tell her. I just didn't tell her. Probably subconsciously I knew this was a big demarcation in my in my walk with God, right? I mean, little did I know, she was just happy I was going to church, right? <laughs> Her words, hi mom, if you're watching. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it did it. I remember the first day sitting down and, and studying a, a study called discipleship, what it means to really be a follower of Jesus. And I, at the end of that study, I was like, and I don't recommend this, but this is what I did. Again, I didn't say I had a good plan. I just... Um, I remember going home and going, Mom, I am not saved. You're not saved. We're not saved. We all need to get our act together. And she was like, what is this culture attending? So she came, and she 
visited the church, and uh, she would go to Catholic church first and then go to our church. And then um, eventually she started studying the Bible, and it took three times because she's as stubborn as her daughter, and she became a disciple as well. But it took courage. It took courage for at that point, right? At that point, a 60-something-year-old woman um, to go, this is where God is leading me. I've been here, and this, is, this has been good. It developed a relationship with God. It developed a faith in God. But if I'm going to take my faith to another place, i got to go here, which was really great. But, you know, it really does take courage to listen to God, right? Because I don't know about you. Maybe this is just me, but I don't like what God says sometimes. Yeah. Right? I don't like when God says, you need to apologize to your husband. And I'm like, I don't want to apologize to him. How about he apologize? This is Jackie's voice. I don't want to apologize. How about he apologize? somebody else's voice. Yeah. Or somebody else's voice. Or... You need to go be humble with your kid, your adult child, who you just talked to like they were 13 years old. And I'm like, well, I'm his parent. Or her parent. I shouldn't have said this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, as many of you know in here, Elaine Contestants, Karina Contestants, is also my daughter, too. I've had to apologize to both of them many times. I don't really like what God says sometimes. Those are the easier day-to-day things. But what about, like, the first time we were called into the ministry... We became disciples December 10th, 1990. I mean, I'd love to say it's been, you know, peaches and roses and all that since then. I mean, there have been times I've thought about leaving. There have been times I've wanted to leave. There have been times I'm like, can I just be a normal Christian? Why do I have to do this ministry thing? Like, what, you know? And, um, you know, being called into the ministry was a huge deal to me. Uh, it wasn't like we weren't campus kids and there's nothing wrong with that, but we, we weren't, we were, had careers. We had a home we had just bought a few years before. We had, I had my brand new Mustang convertible that I had to sell and then see it at church every Sunday because, you know, we weren't going to get paid what we were getting paid in the world, right? And, but the biggest thing for me was, can I even live up to what God expects mm. of me in this role? I certainly wasn't, like I said, the church lady. Um, my mom still tells me to this day, after 33 years, Jackie, I can't believe you're still in the ministry with some of the things that you say. <laughs> like, I can't believe they haven't kicked you out yet. But, um, yeah, well, and then she shares with me how she studied the Bible with somebody and said something to them. I'm like, Mom, you're worried about what I'm saying? I can't believe you said that to a person. <laughs> but anyway, it's awesome that at 93 years old, she's still studying the Bible with people. Yeah. But, you know, and then I remember uh, coming out of the ministry and going self-supporting in 03. There's too long of a story behind that, but just say that the Marichis don't do politics well, church Mm -hmm. politics or any other politics well. Then in 2010, we were called again back into the ministry, the full-time ministry, and I was, I literally would tell people, they would call us and ask us if we would reconsider going back in the ministry. And I said, I'd rather stick needles in my eye. So... Let's say no, because I, I just was like, I'm not going to do that She wasn't willing again. to give up both eyes, but she was ready to give up one. Right. And, and you know, that's not to say, uh, to feel sorry for me. It's not, this is, is you know, uh, amen, this is our calling. That's the point. It's our calling. If, it, if I did what Jackie wanted to do, I would probably, you know, still be in real estate and driving my Jag that I had. But no. If you listen to the Lord, you're going to be called to places sometimes and sacrifice that doesn't line up with what you had in mind and what I had in mind. 
I'm not whining about it. It's just the truth. I believe this is our calling. It is a great calling. We make enough money to meet our needs. Maybe the Lord knew Jackie couldn't handle that much money, right? Maybe the Lord knew that you're going to go down the wrong path if you continue on this way. But the point being that it takes courage. It took courage for Samuel. It took courage for the early century Christians. It still takes courage today to say yes to God, to listen to God, and to listen carefully to the Lord. Because, you know, we got to be careful. I have heard over 32 years, almost 32 years of being in the ministry. I've heard many times people say, well, I just feel like God's calling me to this relationship. Or I feel like God's calling me to this situation. Or God's calling me to that. And my question is, and, 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 and what I what I would challenge us on is, are we really listening and hearing the voice of God? And what we got to measure it up to is the voice of God will never contradict the word of God. That's right. If what we're hearing or what you're hearing contradicts the word of God, doesn't line up with the word of God, then we're not hearing the Lord. We may be hearing our own little voice in our own head, either consciously or subconsciously. Our own little Lord, yeah. Lord Jackie, right? (laughs) Um, But we've got to be very, very careful that we are really listening. When we're listening for the word of God, and then what we're listening to really is the voice of God. Amen. So... Those are just a couple examples. I'm not saying we got it all right or I got it all right. I still have to listen to God every single day. I have to listen to God in the most simplest things when I'm on the road and people are driving me crazy with their driving because, of course, I'm the perfect driver, right? So I got to listen to the voice of God. It's definitely not the voice of God calling me to be mean-spirited towards people, right? I've got to listen to the voice of God in my relationship with Steve. I've got to listen to God in my relationships with you guys. Because believe it or not, all of you have at least one opinion you want to share with us. Which is great most of the time. But sometimes you just go, just like you, there's sometimes you go, I don't want to hear one more opinion or one more thought about... After the 252nd. That could be done, you know, how things should be done or could be done or whatever. But then I could be called back to the Lord and say, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? Amen. What do I need to listen for? These are your people. I trust you're working through them. If I really trust you're working through them, then I need to stop and listen. And not be easily offended, as so many of us are today. Mm. Being easily offended is all about me, all about myself. Yeah. If I'm not easily offended, then I'm going to be more willing and apt to listen to the voice of God, even when I don't like to hear what he has to say. But I'd rather be the son that says no and then gets there than be the son that says yes and don't really obey. Mm. So, amen. Awesome job, man. She's pretty amazing. Thank you, Jack. Okay. Um, You know, as I think Jackie very eloquently put it, it can be risky to ask God to speak. You know, I look back at our lives. It changed our lives. It changes our lives if we listen and we act on it. Now, if we listen and don't act on what God says, isn't that only hearing, not truly listening? You know, no matter what the details of or the call, God always calls us away from self and selfishness into a new life lived in service to God and in service to others. 
And if we heed the call of God, we will never be the same again. But much of the time, we aren't very good listeners, are we? You know, listening can be a challenge in our everyday relationships. You know, as Jackie cited, uh, sometimes some of the biggest challenges we can have are with each other. Uh, in our everyday relationships, for me, listening to Jacqueline, which needs to be accompanied with me, listening to Jacqueline without finishing her sentences or interrupting her, which, you know, sometimes can be a... I guess that resonated with Martini. But, you know, it can, be a little bit of a, it can be a little bit of a challenge. But, I mean, if I can't listen to my spouse who's physically in my life, am I really going to be able to hear God? And I'm just really understanding how significant that is. How much more purposeful do we need to be when it comes to having a relationship with God? Now, now that God has Samuel's attention, he speaks. And it's pretty cool. So God speaks to Samuel and delivers a message to him that will impact not just Eli, but the whole Israelite community in verse 11. It says, And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. Now, he didn't say itch. He says tingle. just want to clarify that when it comes to itching ears versus tingling ears. In verse 12, at that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. I don't have time for that today. You'll have to get in the scriptures to see what all was going on there. But then in verse 13, he says, For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. And then you have this 12, 13-year-old kid that needs to turn around and deliver this message. You know, it says in 1 Samuel 3, verse 15, Samuel laid down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Now, it doesn't say that Samuel went to sleep after God spoke to him. I have a feeling he probably laid there all night wrestling with what it was that God put out there and the fact that he was going to be the conveyance of that message. So I'm sure it was challenging to do what God had told him to do. He meditated on God's words, and when the time came, Samuel spoke God's word to Eli and later to all of Israel. He took the time to digest what God had told him and then prove the truth of God's word by putting it into practice. And I love verse 15. Samuel opened the doors to the house of the Lord. What an amazing privilege to, a, to not just a priesthood that hadn't heard God, but to God's people who hadn't heard God. You know, it reminds me of so many of the songs that, that Brian Craig writes. You know, better than one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. I mean, just really the significance of what this connection with God meant for the people. You know, I think there's a little bit of a symbolism here in verse 15 when it comes to our role. Isn't our role a calling to open the doors for others? Verse 19 says, The Lord was with Samuel and he grew up, and he let none of the words fall to the ground. Verse 20, And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. And this is so cool. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. You know, what a contrast in these few verses. In verse 1, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were no visions. 
But in the, in the, the closeout of this particular chapter in verse 21, at the close it says, the Lord now had a prophet he could work through. An ongoing presence in Shiloh and an ongoing presence with one man, Samuel, who impacted the entire Jewish community. You know, we can be God's ongoing presence right here in South Bay. You know, clearly the emphasis of 1 Samuel chapter 3 is on listening. What and who are you listening to? What are you hearing? What are you understanding? You know, there's a lot of noise, as I stated earlier, in this world today, and a lot of distractions, and we need to ask ourselves, are we really interested in hearing God? You know, hopefully as we look back to 2023, no one will be able to say the word of the Lord is rare in South Bay. Closing it out right here, 1 Samuel 3. It invites us to reflect on our own spiritual journeys. Are we like young Samuel, dedicated to religious practices and traditions, but lacking a personal, intimate connection with God? Are we listening for the Spirit's voice when He calls us, and even if it doesn't come in the ways that we expect? Like Samuel, we can seek guidance and confirmation from spiritual mentors or Eli figures in our lives. And, you know, there was some good there with Eli. What did Eli ultimately do when he realized who was calling? He directed Samuel back to God. And just really understanding, we have men and women in our lives that can have discernment that maybe we don't in the moment that can point us in the right direction. But ultimately, this account encourages us to take a step of faith, close our eyes to distractions, and declare our willingness to listen for God's voice. He longs to communicate with us on a personal level, to guide us, and to use us in amazingly remarkable ways, just as he did with Samuel in a time of spiritual darkness and need. And I really believe that is where we are today. The world's in, in, this, in this crazy spiritual darkness and need. So when the Word of God speaks to us, when we're called and then listen, obey and turn our lives over to God's missional call, loving God, loving His mercy, loving His grace, and loving the covenant we entered into when we made Jesus Christ Lord of our lives. And then and only then will our community of disciples, this city and this world, become a better place. To God be the glory. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and go to the Father in prayer for communion. Father, when I think about this passage that we've spent some time exploring this morning, as Samuel opened up the doors to you, just knowing that Jesus Christ did the same thing that Samuel did for us, that through his blood, through his body, through his sacrifice, through his love, the doors to this eternal kingdom has been opened up to each and every one of us that has made Jesus Christ Lord of our lives. Father, I pray we never forget the amazing sacrifice that took place, and also that we can commemorate and remember the men and women that opened the door for us to the kingdom as they were willing to deal with their own discomfort, whatever it may have been, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with us. Father, again, we thank you for your son. We're so grateful for the relationship that we have with you and that we can call upon you as our father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.